Sports Central in conversation with Adrian Abraham on Money FM 89.3. It's Money FM 89.3 and today I'm joined by national swimmer Kwa Ting Wen who's just returned from Budapest where she took part in the International Swimming League. Ting Wen, great to have you on the show. How are you? I am good. Thank you for having me. Now, you became the first Singaporean to compete at the International Swimming League, and we can talk a little bit about your performances in just a bit, but what was that experience like for you? It was a really good experience. It was the first, I guess, real meet of 2020. You know, the Olympics got moved to next year, and so a lot of us, I think, around the world haven't actually competed since the beginning of the year. So it was really nice for me to be in a very competitive environment for just a long stretch of time and be able to train and compete at a very high level with other similar individuals. And the team you represented, the Tridents, the DC Tridents. How was that experience being part of a team like that and, you know, bumping into some old friends and also meeting some new friends along the way? It was good. It was really fun. I was actually invited to be on the team last year, but only for one of, I think, five or six legs. I was invited at the end when they needed an extra swimmer for the relay. But this year, I got the opportunity to be on the team for the whole season. And that was a really different experience just because, you know, last year, I was only with the team for about four or five days. But this time, I was with everyone for the whole five, six weeks. And it was really nice. I haven't seen some of my old friends for over a year. And it was really good catching up. But it was also really nice to be able to meet new people and just, you know, I love new people and just talking about, you know, how they train, how they raise just their lives. And it's always interesting to learn different ways and how people do it. And it's always nice to learn, I guess, from other people. Now, you hit quite a few milestones in Budapest, you know, setting three national records, hitting some personal bests and claiming a silver medal in the 50-meter fly. How did this journey sort of help you to your goal to qualify for Tokyo 2021? I think it just gave me a lot of confidence in myself just because I think not racing for a long period of time and also not, we were out of the water, um, at least us in Singapore, we were out of the water for three months and I only had about four months before the ISL and I wasn't really sure how it would go. The meet started a little bit rocky for me, but I think, you know, as each match went along, I got faster, I learned how to tweak, you know, the little bits and pieces that I needed to make the races closer to perfect and I think as I mentioned, managed to do that, I I gained a little bit of confidence, not just physically, but also mentally in terms of understanding my body and trusting the work that I had put in, not just right before the ISL, but, you know, from January to March when we were still training and the whole of last year. So I think moving forward to Tokyo, just holding on to that mindset and remembering, you know, the feeling of racing fast and being able to hold on to all the little skill and technique work that I, I did there and just carry it forward towards Tokyo. I think it bodes well and I'm excited to see what I can do. And it must have been incredible to get back in the water. I mean, I came across an article. You said that swimming people call weight training dry land training. So was there a lot of dry land training during these unprecedented times? During the circuit breaker, my siblings had come home from the U.S. where they're both studying. They're both in college right now. And we were both um, at home for about 10, 11 weeks. And we don't have a bathtub. We don't have a pool at home. The beaches at home are closed. So we had to improvise and find ways to train and do things on land or dry land, which is what a lot of swimmers call it. But we found ways to get stuff done on land as best as possible and try to apply that once we were able to get back in the water. And it was very interesting because it's the longest I've been out of the water for a very long time. And I think it just really taught me 
a lot of body awareness and just learning how to be flexible and learning how to make do. And I think there were definitely things that I had to work on that, you know, swimming eight to nine times a week sometimes didn't give me a lot of time to do just like shoulder rehab exercises and, and just little things that I had suddenly so much time to work on. And I think because of that, I was able to create a habit of working on that and I carried it over once we started going back into the pool. And I think it's just, you know, creating all these good habits that I'm figuring out what works outside the water and just carrying it forward and just really helped with my growth as an athlete. Now, people know you as a professional swimmer who represents Singapore, but both your siblings are also swimmers. So growing up, how competitive was the household? I think we were more supportive than competitive just because my sister and I are eight years apart. So I was on the national team for a very long time before she even started swimming. And, you know, my brother and I are four years apart. And him being a guy, we don't really compete. We've never actually raced against one another. Uh, I think we are competitive in the sense that we push each other a lot especially during the circuit breaker when it, it was a little bit difficult just because I think everything was in limbo and we weren't sure what exactly we were training for and it could be very difficult sometimes to wake up, not know what day it was, not really know what day of circuit breaker it was and really be motivated when we didn't know what the exact goal was. But I think having one another, we pushed each other and it was a little bit, it became easier to get moving and to work out and to train when we actually had one another. And I think we are more supportive than competitive. We do push each other. I think that's the most competitive we get. And my sister and I do race now against one another, especially in butterfly events. We're competitive in the pool, but once we're out of the water, it's mostly just us being very supportive. And, you know, when each of us compete, it's, it's like success for all of us. And... I think we have a really good dynamic going on. We're in conversation with Kwa Ting Wen. She's a national swimmer who represents Singapore. You did mention your siblings are very supportive. How important have they been, you know, in getting to where you are today? Extremely, I think. I think they make it very easy for me to... I'm still swimming, um, obviously, because I'm very passionate about the sport. I'm still very much in love with it, and I am still physically able to do it. But I think it just makes it a lot more fun. makes it a lot easier for me to make the decision to stay in the sport when the both of them are in it, because I know that, you know, when we travel on national teams, I will have them most of the time with me. And I think that helps me a lot emotionally, just because the best of both worlds, I think it's nice having family so close to you, and also going through what you're going through and just understanding you on a whole different level. So I think that's helped a lot tremendously, especially in those moments when I was not sure if I wanted to continue in the sport or not. And um, it just makes it really fun for me, I think. And it just brings us really close and we have a really good bond. So I have something to thank for that. And uh, they've been with me on the national team for a very long time and, and we've been through a lot of ups and downs together. So I wouldn't be here without them, I think. I'm going to take things back a little bit. You know, you were meant to go to the London Olympics, but you broke your arm in a surfing accident. So, you know, how much more pressure did that put on you when you competed at the Olympics in Rio in 2016? Missing the London Olympics was a huge hit for me. I remember wanting really badly to make the team with my brother. I had been in Beijing in 2008, but I was by myself. And I knew that my brother had a really good thought at making the 2012 team. And I really wanted to, you know, be on the Olympic team with him. And so I was really bummed when I got injured and I didn't make the times at the trials. So I think 
Moving forward to 2016, I really wanted to make that dream happen, and so I worked really hard towards that. But I didn't really use 2012 as, and missing out on that. And it motivated me, but it wasn't, you know, missing out on 2012 wasn't the whole reason why I wanted to do what I did in Rio. I think by the time I got into 2016, the dream was still the same. I still wanted to be in Rio with my brother, but I think you know, there were new goals in place. And by that time, four years later, I was a different athlete, but definitely missing London. I definitely continued swimming, I think, because um, after college, after 2014, because I missed London and I really wanted to, you know, at least go for one more Olympic before I was done. Yeah, and people did say, you know, after Rio that you might actually walk away from the sport. But looking ahead to the Tokyo Olympics, some people have labeled it like Michael Jordan's last dance. Do you sort of uh, agree with this uh, analogy that's being put out there? Could the Tokyo Olympics be your last dance? I think after I graduated from college, the way I approached swimming was very different from when I was a teenager. When I was 16, I could look at swimming and I could play in in Olympic cycles. And so every four years, I would be, I, when I was 16, I could look at the calendar and, and I would know that I would probably still be swimming when I was 20 and probably 24. But after I graduated from college, I was 22. And I think by that time, I was looking at swimming year by year. It was difficult for me to envision myself. I think even in 2013, when someone asked me a question about Rio, 2016 seemed so far away from me that it was very difficult for me to commit in terms of a four-year Olympic cycle. And so since then, I've been looking at swimming year by year. But I think recently, just with you know my experience with the, a little bit of the ISL last year and the full experience this year moving forward, I have thought about Tokyo as my, I guess, my last meet. That was, I guess, before the pandemic and everything that happened this year. I thought I might be done after July of 2020. But I think over this year, I've also learned a lot about myself, not just as a person, but as an athlete. And I've come to realize that with things that I'm very passionate about and things that I love and am very committed to, it's very difficult for me to put an end date on those things. I don't think I'm one of those people who can pinpoint one event, I guess, the last meet. And I don't know if I would be fully satisfied with my career after that meet, no matter how it went, if I, whether I achieve my goals or not. I just feel like I'm the kind of person that if I felt that I still wanted to get more out of the sport I felt that I still had more to give to the sport I would want to keep going for as long as I was passionate about it so I, I think I've come to a point where I'm looking further forward and I'm keeping my options open and it's been a really exciting revelation for me to start thinking that way again because thinking year by year it gets very tiring sometimes it also is just a reminder of, it reminds me sometimes that I'm not 16 anymore and, and I've decided that I don't really want to allow age to define where I am in my career. I think being at the ISL helped a lot because I saw swimmers who were in their 30s, um, those who span in his 40s, and it was just really inspiring and really amazing. And I, I know that, I mean, I might not be like those people. I might not swim until I'm 40, but I definitely wouldn't want to just be like, I'm going to stop when I'm 28 and put a cut on that. Exactly, and we're all rooting for you. Now, I'm sure that when people generally do interview and talk to you, particularly the media, they just want to know about your swimming, and maybe they'll touch on a few other parts. But as a professional athlete, of course, everything is about training multiple times a week, and your diet is integral to that. But just out of curiosity, what does your cheat meal consist of? 
burgers and fries, pizza, occasionally chicken and waffles. I got very into that when I was staying with my sister last year in Texas. And also local food. I really miss Indian food, probably cake once in a while. <laughs> I haven't had cake in so long. <laughs> what was the food in Budapest like? Did you try a lot of local food out there while you were in Budapest? So it's really difficult because we were all customers and the staff, we were all put on this on Margaret Island and there are two hotels on it and we were basically kept in a little bubble. We were not allowed to leave the island except to go to the pool and back. So all the food was provided for in the hotel, buffet style, and it was mostly American. Although occasionally there would be like different looking pasta or meat or rice. And when I asked the cooks or the chef, they would tell me it was like, I forget what it's called, but there was one day that they had this very famous looking pasta. It kind of looked like Christie's, I guess. And I asked the chef what it was and he said it was a Hungarian version of pasta. And I tried it and it was actually really good. It reminded me of Yoki. So that was like the extent of you know me being able to try the food. I didn't get to see a lot of the city. I think we did we did a bus for an hour and a half just once, and the whole time I was really bummed because like I really wanted to get off the bus to a little bit more, get to walk around, and the guy was driving so fast. And afterwards, I told my teammates that you know that tour just really made me want to go back and visit the country. One day when the pandemic's not so bad, and just really be able to visit the city. Because it's really different, you know, sometimes when you travel as a swimmer, a lot of what you see would be what's in between the hotel and the pool. And we very rarely get a lot of off time to go explore. So with the pandemic, just with COVID, you know, with the health and safety measures, it was really difficult for us to really move around and see the city. So I definitely want to go back and visit one day. I got to try like some food, but for the most part, it was American. Well, at least you got to get out and, you know, get back to competing because I'm sure this will probably just a taste of what is to come because with vaccines on the way and different phases coming up, I'm sure that, you know, things will get back to some sort of normal before next year's Olympics. Now, before I let you go, how excited are you about this next crop of young Singaporean swimmers and their chances or your chances as well at the Olympics next year? I'm excited to see what our team can do. You know, at Worlds last year in Korea, uh, we did have like a lot of young swimmers on the team and there are a lot of young ones coming up and it's good. It's a good thing for us because we definitely need people. We need our relays to be deeper and we need to have a bigger pool of swimmers not just doing the sprint, but also all the way up to the longer distances. And we're starting to see that, I think. I mean, I've not been around for the last two months, so and we've not really competed for the whole year, but we are going to have our first long course to meet, and it'll be interesting to see where everyone's at in terms of racing and just looking forward to next year and the Tokyo Olympics. So it'll be fun. It's really exciting, and I'm really looking forward to the next chapter. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking with you, Kwa Ting Wen, and thank you for joining me here on Money FM and telling me about your Tokyo ambitions and particularly the food. I was quite um that was probably one of the highlights about how it was very different times, I guess, you know, because you're in a hotel and you're in a bubble and it's very different to what you are used to when you're on tour. But um an interesting aspect of your life now that we're going through unprecedented times. Thank you so much for having me.